traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm Bethany Moore, the Director of Communications at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, I'm excited to return to the podcast after a brief break. Uh, We had lobby days in Washington, D.C. in September, and it was honestly amazing. So I'm going to be speaking with some of the attendees. And today, I'm speaking with a couple of members from a very special group that joined us, the Veterans Action Council. So today, I'm speaking with Etienne Fontan and Michael Krawitz. So Etienne is the vice president and co-owner of Berkeley Patients Group, or BPG. It's the nation's oldest continually operating medical cannabis dispensary established in 1999. Etienne has an extensive background as an engaged activist and public speaker seeking to make cannabis legal and safe. Starting in 1993, he was a director of the Cannabis Action Network. He's an Army combat veteran of Desert Storm and served in the West Virginia Army National Guard. He now lobbies nationally and internationally on veterans' behalf for the use of cannabis and natural medicines. He's also a founding board member of NCIA starting in 2010 when the organization was founded. He is also founder of the Veterans Action Council and sits on the advisory board for Battle Brothers Foundation. My other guest, Michael, is a disabled United States Air Force veteran and serves as executive director of Veterans for Medical Cannabis Access, as well as other board and advisory roles. He successfully negotiated the first ever VA medical cannabis policy in 2010 and has since overseen the WHO process in Geneva and then the United Nations process on the WHO cannabis recommendations, ultimately removing cannabis and cannabis resin 
from the single convention treaty, most dangerous drug category. He also serves on the Virginia Cannabis Public Health Advisory Council. It's an honor to have both of you on the show today and my pleasure. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Bethany, and uh, thank the NCIA for having us today. Thank you. Absolutely. So let's kick it off by learning more about both of you. Uh, let's start with a little bit more about your military background and any other professional experience you had prior to getting involved in anything cannabis related. Let's start with you, Etienne. Well, I uh, joined the uh, West, Virginia, West Virginia Army National Guard uh, to uh, basically get an education as a GI Bill. I uh, came from a poor family, and so I didn't have access to that secondary education. So I joined the military to do so and inadvertently found myself in one of the finest artillery units in the United States military. Uh, so good so that uh, for uh, Operation Desert Shield and Desert Storm, I was attached to the French Foreign Legion as their artillerist support. So the 1st West Virginia was also the oldest unit in the United States that was organized back in 1735. So it's the oldest wow. continuously active regiment in the U.S. Army. And so, uh, yeah, when I joined them, I was, it was during, you know, 88. So uh, the Eastern Bloc was coming down and I was not anticipating to find myself in combat, but two years later I found myself on the front. And then when I uh, was going through my service, I sustained injuries and then was diagnosed with uh, Gulf War Syndrome, mm. which was uh, exposure due to nuclear, biological, and uh, chemical warfare. And it unfortunately uh, attacked my nerves. And uh, I was speaking with a military physician about getting off the morphine they had me on. And he recommended me hashish. And that has since uh, sent me down a 30 plus year journey that brings me here today. Wow, thank you for sharing that experience. Um, Michael, how about yourself? What's your background and experience before getting involved in the cannabis movement and industry? You know, I, I always uh, think that if the universe had worked out a little differently, maybe I would have been on a different path. Maybe if I, I was brought up on the West Coast, I might have gone into the cannabis movement instead of the military. <laughs> mm. But you know, these are choices. You make, make life uh, choices and paths. I went into the Air Force uh, right out of high school. I actually had a career path. I was getting ready to get um, actually retrained into the Army. I was going to trade my three stripes for training and then become a warrant officer and learn how to fly a helicopter. But in the four years that I was in the Air Force, I worked on electronic warfare gear. I was an electronic warfare systems technician. Now, I, I was in peacetime. I, again, I kind of feel strange every, every time I say that my brain reels off because, yeah, it was peacetime, but it was one of the uh, high points in what they call the, the Cold War. It was pretty intense for, for peacetime. And I worked on B-52 bombers. And that was the, wow. the planes that I worked on the electronic warfare gear on. That gear, what it did was it made the plane invisible to radar for a second or whatever it needed to allow it to get through uh, barrages of ground fire that might be aimed to try and take the plane out of the sky while it was delivering its payload. So I was one of the technicians helping to keep the machine of war going in a way. Um, wow. I became injured when I was over there in Guam, Guam, USA, 
and I got injured pretty badly. I was getting ready to do a big world tour on my way to another duty station. Instead, I wound up spending a couple of quality months in Tripler Army Medical Center in Hawaii recovering. But that was mm -hmm. a major turning point. Instead of, as I was saying, going off and getting retrained and becoming a helicopter pilot, all of a sudden I became a patient and mm -hmm. uh, had to deal with a whole new universe. And I, I came to learn about cannabis as a medical patient, as, as a medical marijuana patient. But I, I always uh, kind of talk about the genesis that I went through, because I think a lot of people in my age bracket or older looked at cannabis one way as a kid and then slowly looked at it a different way as a patient, a genesis of understanding that it was a medicine, mostly mm -hmm. when you run out of medicine and you realize how much your pain and, and issues come back. But I actually got a prescription uh, after I left the service and found cannabis helped me put away a lot of the pain medications and a lot of the um, other other pills um, and, and made it very effective, the pain medication that I was still taking and allowed me to function. So, you know, I'm retired now, but uh, cannabis definitely has been an important part of why I've why I'm a functional retiree and able to do some of this stuff. Wow. Yeah, thank you both for sharing your your stories um, about your military experience and how it brought you to cannabis, uh, which brings me to the Veterans Action Council, um, the organization that NCIA is friendly with, uh, and we invited uh, a contingent to join us in Washington, D.C. for our most recent lobby days in September here in 2022. We hadn't been able to go back to uh, D.C. since 2019 because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So this was a really wonderful time to come back together with, you know, 100 NCIA members and the Veterans Action Council. So um, in, in these next couple minutes here before our next commercial break, uh, let's talk more about the Veterans Action Council and its purpose. Etienne? The Veterans Action Council <clears throat> is an all-volunteer group of uh, international veterans. Uh, we're venerated professionals in our respective fields, and uh, we're committed to setting higher standards of care for a veterans community nationwide. Uh, we're all equals. Uh, each member brings a unique perspective and a wealth of lived experience, both in and out of service. Our mission is to ensure safe and affordable access to natural medicines and alternative therapies for veterans. Uh, we're doing wh what we feel needs to be done. We're working to provide safe and affordable access to natural medicines and alternative therapies for veterans. Um, and so uh, we started off as a buddy check uh, originally when uh, COVID started. And as we started talking and gathering, we realized that we were all pretty amazing cannabis all-stars in our own neck of the woods. And when we started to talk about our Rolodexes, we realized we were quite powerful. And so we started volunteering and now we have multiple meetings each week where we get together and we strategize. Uh, we uh, formed a, a white paper, which is called our green paper, uh, which we <laughs> put out uh, a, a year prior, uh, which is uh, basically giving a series of asks. It's actually sandwiched in between um, uh, Robert Randall, who was patient zero, Al his wife, Alice O'Leary Randall, who survived, 
um, Robert has since passed. He sued the federal government for access to medical cannabis. And uh, this was the filing that they had submitted to the Clinton administration. So uh, this is also how far it's taken the uh, administration to do anything at the federal level. So at the back end, it is sandwiched with the work that Michael Krowitz and others have done at the international level that changed international law at the World Health Organization and at the United Nations, allowing for medical cannabis to be accessible. So one of the things we were there talking about is trying to get the United States back in compliance with the international law that they're out of compliance with, the same law that the DEA had beat us in the cannabis industry over the head or any Anybody who tried to petition for rescheduling saying that we can't because we're now part of this treaty well Michael changed that treaty and it is now legal around the world so mm -hmm. uh, we wrote to the United States Attorney General's office asking them to come into compliance with the federal law so we were making our people aware and our constituency on the hill that medical marijuana should be legal currently in all 50 states and territories and federal properties and could be done so by the U.S. Attorney General's office. So it was rather interesting to hear our language come from the President of the United States when he directed the uh, HHS and the USAG's office to look at and into rescheduling cannabis. Right, right. Um, we have to jump to a commercial break, but Michael, was there anything else you'd like to add about your experience with the Veterans Action Council? I just think it's great to have a, a group like this. It's not really an organization. We're not working for funding. We're working for the goal. And mm -hmm. if you work in cannabis activism, you know how unusual it is for a stakeholder group to kind of come and represent itself. But that's what we're doing. Wonderful. All right, let's take that commercial break and then we'll be right back to dive into how your lobbying experience on Capitol Hill went. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany, with NCIA, and I'm talking with Etienne Fontan and Michael Krowitz from the Veterans Action Council. So as I mentioned before the break, we were, we were in D.C. recently in September uh, for NCIA's 10th annual Cannabis Industry Lobby Days. Uh, so we were mostly talking to congressional offices about the Safe Banking Act, which has passed the House of Rep Representatives, what, six or seven times now, uh, Section 280E of the IRS tax code that's crippling cannabis businesses, 
and some of these bigger comprehensive reform pieces like the CAOA, the MORE Act, and so on and so forth. What were the Veterans Action Council members more focused on during these meetings with members of Congress? And, and how, how were you received during those meetings? We reached out to the NCIA when uh, we were looking at coordinating uh, directly, and they suggested that we could have a mission to accomplish on Capitol Hill that their regular members could not do. So they asked us to meet with the Republicans uh, and Democrats on the Armed Services and Veterans uh, Armed Services Committees. Um, and so 12 of us met <clears throat> on, sent out two teams on Capitol Hill. We had 26 meetings in two days oh my god <laughs> that's so many <laughs> yes but uh we were basically out on a planting seeds tour uh in the future regarding issues that we as a council had put together uh, the vac demanded that uh, any law set to address cannabis at any federal level should immediately include veterans access to medical cannabis and care through the vha pharmacy system we also asked for a medical card designation on our VA medical cards, either a physical designation on the car, card or on the magnetic strip so that we would not be arrested traveling through any of the states where it's not legal or to travel with our medicine on federal property, which we made our senators and representatives aware that we could not do while we were meeting with them. Wow. We also made them aware of the, the current Canadian, which is oddly enough called the VAC, the Veterans Access to Cannabis Program in Canada, where if you are given 100% disability rating by the military for your service in Canada, you are then given three grams per day free of charge by the Canadian government that you can now order in any modality off of the National Pharmacy app on their phone for if you want an edible, you want a joint, if you want a sublingual, you want a, a drink. As long as it adds up to three grams, it is sent free of charge to your front door within 48 hours by the oh Canadian Postal Service. That's so, wild. So we were making the uh, our constituency aware of that fact, and we asked specifically for a meeting uh, to be uh, traversed between the Canadian VHA and the U.S. VHA systems, Veterans Health Association, administrations, pardon me, <clears throat> so that they could actually uh, get into a room and talk about it. We presented them as well with our green paper, and we discussed the Mississippi Grow, uh, which many of them were not aware that our federal government has been growing medical grade, well, pardon me, medical cannabis that they call for the past 40 plus years. We do not consider it uh, that great. Right. Um, and then uh, we made them aware of the international law compliance that we spoke of earlier, that the U.S. is currently not in the um, uh, graces of the um, the laws that we have chosen to abide by for decades by the DEA's own rules. Mm. So by changing the laws internationally, we made them aware that we have reached out to the USAG's office and they should be aware. Uh, one of the most interesting things that we made them aware of currently, uh, because the people that we met with were mostly armed services and veterans uh, committee members, the majority of the people we met with were military fellows. Fellows are people who are actual officers in service who take a year off, they don their suits and work behind the scenes in congressional offices. 
And since we are veterans and we asked specifically to speak on veteran services, the majority of the people we spoke with uh, contained a fellow from the military, which were usually equivalent of a uh, captain uh, in rank for officers, mostly majors and higher. Hmm. We made them aware that there is a TBI, which is traumatic brain injury medicine currently available uh, to Israeli medics that has THC in it. Uh, and that, of course, since it goes through the nose, it goes directly into the absorption and into the brain, brain blood barrier and absorbed directly into the brain. And it can stop a traumatic brain injury from moving forward. The wow. problem with TBIs is the swelling of the brain that happens over a few-week period, and this stops that swelling. The neuroprotective properties of cannabis do so, so we're making them aware of that, as well as the U.S. patent the U.S. has had uh, regarding um, medical cannabis and specifically the neuroprotective properties. Wow. The last thing we were making them aware of, which is a FOIA request, Michael Krowitz was... Uh, help change uh, law in the VA where they could actually discuss medical cannabis and you could actually there's a check mark that's pointed at the bottom of your VA forms for you to check regarding your medical cannabis use uh, it was updated again in 2017 and so we asked specifically for that data we put out a four-year request in March of last year the government told us that they were gathering that data for us and then two months ago told us that the data was too large, that they were gathering it in multiple data points. And ironically, the week that we were in D.C., we received a letter from them stating that there actually is no data. No data has been collected. There is no data points for us to have. So we asked uh, these 26 meetings, these, these offices, if they will sign on to our appeal because we're going to appeal this process because we want to see the data. And this data should have been collected since 2010, and it has not. And we are mm. veterans, and this is information. We're starting to see data around cannabis come back in the form of VA studies and so we want to see that data and where it comes from and they're telling us it does not exist yet we are seeing these studies come back before us so we know they are lying so we're going to assist and get our constituency to help us appeal that process and then of course we spoke on the safe banking etc and spoke on that issues as well so those are our specific asks but we turned out to uh, be mm, interesting pawns early on because we met first off with uh, uh, Senator Booker's office and Senator Booker's office basically asked us to go forward and tell the rest of our meetings that uh, Senator Booker is willing to sign on to Safe Banking Plus if the um, the research uh, veterans component is added to the bill, and so we uh, were real rather surprised to be tasked with this, but we took it forward as well. So that was uh, giving you the basic crux of what our meetings comprised of. Wow! Yeah, that sounds really impactful. Um, Michael, was there anything else you wanted to add about how your meetings went on Capitol Hill? Yeah, I think the, the meetings kind of broke off two different ways. So you had uh, offices that were currently working on cannabis legislation, in which case they were very interested in, in specific conversations around certain bills, as you might imagine, that are in the pipeline. Uh, and then the more conservative uh, Republican offices that we went into mostly 
Um, they were like in cannabis 101 stage. And it was very interesting to us how many of them had been recently or fairly recently approached by their constituents in Texas or wherever saying, mm -hmm. hey, what about cannabis? <laughs> Veterans, you know, saying, yeah. what about cannabis? So this is very interesting, uh, you know, sort of lobbying from the bottom up and the top down. But uh, I, I think just a, a thought has occurred to me. I just feel like sharing, I guess. But in, in the big picture, working many years on cannabis uh, activism, I, I got involved in the 90s, late 90s. Um, it seems like there's been somewhat of a, of a shift of, of uh, tactics a couple of times. You know, we, we had the, uh, of course, the shift when we started working on state initiatives. You know, back in the day, uh, the cannabis movement was focusing on legal cases and working in the courts and trying mm -hmm. to pass laws and legislatures. And then uh, sort of uh, at the grassroots level, we showed that initiatives could be successful. That created a whole new genre of activism that led to where we are today. I mean, a history lesson. <laughs> but now in the federal scene, it seems like okay, we haven't been able to get a singular bill through. We've been pounding our heads on these very big bills. So we ha we'll have 15 small bills that'll fix some of the problems that you've created by not having the big bill. That's mm -hmm. my take. And so we have the banking bill. We have the you know ho federal housing and, and, and federal uh, you know, research act and, and all these th different things that are bits and pieces. We are, as federal uh, vet veterans, we're federal patients. So we go into a, a VA hospital that's literally on federal property. Um, mm -hmm. So all the federal rules apply, including no availability of cannabis, even if that's in California or if it's in Colorado. Right. And that not only creates an unfair situation, but it creates an untenable situation for the doctors who have to deal with that. So, you know, the longer they put off the big bills, the more small bills they're going to have to pass, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. That incremental reform versus the comprehensive Reform is definitely a, a dance that we at NCIA, um, we, we dance that dance for sure. Um, so yeah, thanks for sharing those stories. Um, I mean, clearly the Veterans Administration uh, has to abide by federal law and, and that's kind of where we need to move the, move the dial entirely so that veterans, as you mentioned, whether you're in a cannabis legal state or illegal state, uh, you you still can't or you're not supposed to access cannabis, according to the VA. Is it true that you can lose your benefits if the wrong doctor finds out you're using cannabis? No, I mean, it's a sticky question to answer, and I don't want to answer completely, but, uh, you know, join up with us if you need a more complete answer. But the quick answer is no, uh, your your federal benefits are are secure. Um, okay. However, uh, there are some you know caveats to that. Um, the the biggest problem is that you know how do you do it? How how do you manage uh, if you're in Missouri or, or, or Missouri is not a very good example? Maybe uh, Idaho. You know, if you're in Idaho in a VA facility, uh, where are you going to get your cannabis from? Mm -hmm. Out of another state, federal and state law, you know, crossing the state lines. Uh, and then, you know, the doctors get lost in the minutia of the anti-drug campaign, which says. If you're an illegal drug user, you're not allowed to be uh, given any any narcotic medication. So okay. they have to stand down on that on cannabis, and not every doctor has gotten the memo. So internally, we have trouble. How we how do we present this? Because I've got vets in the council that would just answer that yes, because there's so many veterans that have been mistreated because of the VA doctors not really knowing what's going on. All right, I'll, I'll finish with this: the VA policy we passed in 2010. We just literally got a VA video that 
told everyone, including the veterans and the doctors, what this policy was and how it works last year. It just finally came down the pipe. So mm. that, that's how slow they are. And the doctors just aren't given the notice of how to follow this policy and the veterans suffer from it. I see. Yeah. Thanks for that clarification. Appreciate that. All right. Let's take our final commercial break and then we'll come back and wrap up our conversation with Etienne and Michael from the Veterans Action Council. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, and we have been chatting with the Veterans Action Council about our experiences in Washington, D.C., lobbying for the cannabis industry and movement. And we have just a couple minutes left here on the show, but I did want to talk about a little memory of mine from lobby days. Uh, During the press conference, we had the podium and a couple members of Congress in what's called the Senate Swamp area near the Capitol in DC. And uh, at one point, Etienne spoke at the podium uh, to talk about the Veterans Action Council. And honestly, I loved what you said. It was it was very poetic. It was very real. Um, and there was a sentiment about the sacrifices veterans made with their lives and how important it is for Congress to act on their behalf. I was wondering if you could share those sentiments again um, for the audience on the podcast. Yes. uh, Into the speech, I basically, uh, we demand the leadership and courage from our legislators. The same leadership and courage we were asked to show while serving our country. And those are the realities that we're trying to ask of them to show that same courage, that same leadership that you want us when you wanted to charge into that position. Well, we've educated them beyond what they sent us into war, educating us wise. So it's now up to them to show that courage for us. Mm, I love that. Snap, snap. Beatnik and me is digging that hard. Um, Michael, anything you'd like to add um, about any other memories from lobbying with with us in Washington, D.C. Oh, gosh, there's a, a whole book of memories with the associated photos to go with it that I can mm-hmm. go through. I, I, I really had a, kind of a life changing week there. A uh, couple of days we made into a week for the Veterans Action Council. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that Th- this is what needs to happen. I and mean, this is a, it's an ongoing process of communication between the people and their leaders, between the cannabis movement and the legislature uh, and, and between veterans and the, and the broader community. So I'm really proud to have been part of it. Very, very thankful for NCIA to you know, sort of step up and welcome us in. In, in a proper way. And when I say a proper way, uh, we sort of have this unwritten rule that we you know set up as stakeholders as veterans coming into the space 10 or 15 years ago that we want to help that we want to we are natural leaders we have great experience but we won't be used as pawns or prop we're we're not going to be brought in at the last minute to just have a, a veteran there if you want veterans to participate you need to have them structurally involved and the ncia you know brought us into the the structure of this uh of entire uh strategic event 
in a way that allowed us to play a, a very good and important role. And, and as Etienne said, there were things that we were able to do as a veterans community within this cannabis space that were not even on the agenda because it wasn't something that the NCIA really felt that was easy to do given mm -hmm. the resources that they had. And that's, that's what I'm talking about, is expanding the resources available to uh, you know, get the job done using the amazing, really, truly amazing people that, that are military veterans in, in, our, uh, in our system. Yeah. Oh, well, we're so grateful to have had you in DC as well. And I feel like I'd like to check in with the Veterans Action Council here on the podcast more regularly, just to hear what's going on, hear any progress and successes or challenges that you're uh, encountering and, and get more of that story from you all. So you'll be hearing from me again soon. And we are going back to Washington, D.C. in 2023 for the 11th annual Cannabis Industry Lobby Days. That event will be taking place May 16th, 17th, and 18th. And I can't wait to go back. Um, I had such a great time uh, with all of you as well and really look forward to heading back to DC. Um, again, thank you both so much for your time, both in Washington, DC, lobbying with us and today talking with me on the podcast. Where can our listeners find out more about the Veterans Action Council? You can reach out to our website, veteransactioncouncil.com or veteransactioncouncil at gmail.com if you want to reach out and email us. Uh, we're, uh, we're Again, we're all volunteer. We're all equals. Just show up if you're a veteran, and it doesn't matter of what country you served in. You were, you're welcome to join us. And thank you, the NCIA, for inviting us in May to join you again, and we look forward to joining you in D.C. for the 11th Annual Lobby Days. And you should join and be with us too yes yes all right so we've run out of time but thank you again uh a really great conversation and thanks to our listeners for tuning into another episode of ncia's cannabis industry voice until next time The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.